Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic, you know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. Welcome back. It's the Nightcap. Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell on WGR. Hour to go. Sabres play the Bruins tomorrow. The Bruins are missing everybody. Charlie McAvoy, David Backus, Brad Marchand, Char's back. So that's good news for the Sabres. Bad news for the Sabres is they've been struggling, and they only have three guys that really score for them. This qualifies as a must-win, though. No? <laughs> don't, don't get me started on this. Why does this qualify as a must-win? There are only Game 7 must-wins. Against a I'm team that's as hampered as Boston, though, you have you to should, come out. You should absolutely Especially win yeah. the way last night went. Yeah, I agree. Last year, last night they fell flat. Um, and you're three points ahead of Boston. Four points ahead of Montreal, who are currently beating Florida 2-1 to one in the second. Um, yeah, I can get – that's about as close as I can get. It's a, one of the most important games left in the schedule. I think – because I don't know. You might want to get caught by Boston. But that's a dangerous game I play. It's way too early to start talking like that. Because they could they could still miss the playoffs. It's super unlikely to me. I mean, you're seven points into a spot, and the Islanders are the team sitting there waiting to take your spot. I mean, come on. Um, but, but I'd rather play Toronto right now or I'd rather play Washington. And be in that bracket. Because remember, you play Toronto, and if you pull off an upset, well, welcome to Tampa for round number two. Whereas in the other spot, I mean, you're playing Columbus, or you're playing a Pittsburgh team that has struggled mightily this year. Like I'll sign up for that if I can get it. But, like I said, it's too dangerous a game. So, it is a big game if you want to stay in front of Boston. Kyle Williams retired today. Um, he'll play his final game on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins here at home, and it, I wouldn't anticipate he's he's a stand-up dude, man of his word. I wouldn't anticipate there's going to be some Brett Favre situation where he comes back and comes out of retirement uh, a couple weeks before the season. This is going to be it for him, and I got my my best memory of Kyle Williams who I've seen play since I can really remember watching football. I mean, he's drafted, his first season is 2006. I mean, I'm 11. I'm a kid. I'm in middle school. No, I might even be in fifth grade. I might have still been in elementary school. So he's played on the Bills for half of my lifetime. And most of the lifetime that I can remember watching football. He's just always been consistent, right? Like, he's never... Been a question mark. You've never had to really think too long about, oh, is Kyle Williams going to give you the, what he usually gives you? He's always a consistent player. Um, he got hurt a couple times. For the most part, he was healthy throughout his career. And for the position he played, defensive tackle, 
He's a pretty flashy player. Like, you don't have to, like, Star Latule this year. I keep making the point where I haven't seen him once. I, mean, I you, he, He's out there. I can see it on the snap count. Star Latule's playing. But I haven't heard his name once this season. Kyle Williams playing that position, defensive tackle. It's a slightly different position. Uh, I think Latule is more of a natural nose tackle. But William Kyle would get himself into plays. He would get sacks. 48 sacks. I mean, part of the number one defensive line a couple of years ago that led the league in sacks, which also featured Mario Williams, Marcel Darius, and uh, and Jerry Hughes. My number one memory of him is when, it's kind of a a niche one, I guess you could say, when he lifted up Johnny Manziel and pile-drived him, in, not even pile-drived, just threw him through the air, and he landed on his back and just laid there, just done. He's dead. He's done. Johnny Manziel just laying there motionless after Kyle Williams threw him 30 feet through the air, it seemed. Uh, that was my favorite memory of uh, of him. Because that was that was funny and it was it was it was awesome. He's a freak athlete too. I mean, if you didn't read the, uh, I, I, I forgot who he even was talking about him earlier today, but he's a even par golfer. Remember, he won that swimming contest against Marshawn Lynch a long time ago, and he's played defensive tackle in the NFL for how long? He could still play. He's been good this year. I saw somewhere else. I don't remember if it was the Bisons or if it was up in Toronto. He was also hitting homers in batting practice. That was the same guy. I don't. I don't, I don't know who was talking that about him, but yeah, he said that he had seen Kyle hit like three home runs in batting practice uh, for the Blue Jays. Just a great athlete, great athlete. And you might not necessarily always think about that when you're thinking about defensive tackles, but he is. Um, future of that position is interesting because in in the 2019 NFL draft. It sounds like a lot of the top guys are defensive linemen, and I think the majority of those are defensive ends, but there's a bunch of defensive tackles too. And I wonder what the Bills would want to do there. If they can get their hands on defensive end, I could see them doing that. Uh, Shaq Lawson's been better this year, but he's still been... I mean, he's not a great, great player. Trent Murphy hasn't given you much after being a free agent. Jerry Hughes has been good. I mean... I think he leads the NFL in fourth down pressures uh, on the quarterback, but he's getting up there. They would probably do that. If if the best player on the board is a defensive tackle, you've got Star Latule, you just paid all this money to. You've got Harrison Phillips, who you just drafted in the third round. And Jordan Phillips, I'd like to see them re-sign him. He's good. I see his name on, on the screen and hear his name more than Phillips and Latule. So I think, honestly, I don't think they need to address that position. I think they're in a good spot. I think Kyle played long enough that now he can kind of walk away and feel pretty good about the future of the position he's leaving behind. Because that wasn't always the case. You had Darius, who's always been a question mark, or was always a question mark, and then you never really had much behind him. And now you've got a good young player who actually reads a lot like Kyle, and you've got a guy they brought in off the street in Jordan Phillips who looks really good, and you've got the guy you paid a lot of money to in Latule who at least is eating up blocks at the very least. So I think he can walk away from the Bills now, retire, and he can really feel like, all right, I don't feel like they'd be missing me all that much. I mean, they will be missing him. 
of course, as fans, and they want you would want his leadership and his talent out there on the field. But it's not like he's leaving them barren at the position. So maybe that's another factor that played into it. Also, them playing home at home. Um, so we'll see what he the future holds for him. I'm sure he'll lead the charge at one time or another in the future. I think that's going to be Roscoe Parrish this week, maybe. But uh, he'll be around. I, I, I'm sure of it. And uh, we'll play back uh, his conversation with uh, John Murphy and Steve Tasker in about 20 minutes or so. NFL playoff matchups are still up in the air. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. I wanted to dive into it a little bit more today. Um, and really what a favorable wild card weekend looks like. That's kind of what we talked about yesterday. But what are we all hoping for out of the playoffs this year? Bills aren't in it. What are we hoping for? Two schools of thought. One, I want to see New England lose. I always want to see New England lose. I hate them. They win enough. That city is the last city that deserves another championship. They've got a hundred of them in the past ten years. On the other hand, part of me thinks, and I, I thought a little bit of this last year, especially right before the Super Bowl, how close is Brady to retiring? Is he close enough where if they won this year, he'd walk, he'd walk away? Like if today it was reported, or he even said, or anybody said, that's got that knows what they're talking about, that if the Patriots win the Super Bowl, Brady's walking away. Would you root for the Patriots? Kyle shaking his head. No, I absolutely would, and I would want to end it. And to me, I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm going to root for them, not knowing that. Just at the off chance, maybe he would walk away. Hey, let's hope New England wins. But it's in the back of my mind whenever they're in the playoffs now, going forward, I think. If they're playing against the Colts or the Texans or the Chargers or the Ravens at some point or the Chiefs, there's going to be a little thought bubble in the back of my head that thinks, man, if they win this year, this could be the end. This could be it. He could walk away. He could go out on top. Maybe. I wonder what Bills fans would say to that. Um, if I told you right now, Brady walks away if they win the Super Bowl, do you root for New England? Like I said, I don't want to see that city win again. I mean, the kid with the sign who's like, I'm 11 years old, and this is my, or I'm 9 years old, and this is my 11th parade. Like, throw that kid. No, I should stop there. <laughs> Probably a smart move. <laughs> so just oh, I understand your frustration. So just like I hate that kid. Yeah, I hate that kid. The the eleven t- parades in nine years. Um. But again, don't we just all want this to end? Don't we all just want this to end? If Brady walks away tomorrow, the Bills are in the conversation to win the division. Maybe at like eight and eight or nine and seven. We've never even had that conversation. Each division's kind of had that ter- their turn at that, right? The NFC West was awful for a few years. The Seahawks won it at 7-9. and nine. That was the year Marshawn Lynch had that insane run. They had that year. The AFC uh, South had that year a couple years ago where was it Houston that made it at 8-8 eight eight with like Brock Osweiler? Or maybe was that the Hoyer year? I don't even know. But the AFC South was awful for a bunch of years. 
and it didn't take much to win that division. And kind of every division's had that. Uh, the NFC is too, for a little bit this year. I know the Cowboys kind of got it together, but they might win that division at 9-7. and seven. Same with the NFC North or the AFC North this year. Generally, you know, that division's pretty good. You got Pittsburgh, you got Baltimore, Cincinnati's had some playoff seasons, but this year, like they had that year. Nine and six could win that division this year. Or nine, six, and one, whatever the Steelers end up at. The AFC East never has a year like that. Ever. If Brady were to walk away tomorrow, we could realistically talk about the Bills, maybe if they could get to nine wins, could win the division. That'd be so fun. And that'd be realistic. Because you've got a quarterback, a young one, who you don't really know how high his ceiling can go. And then we can start to compare. Oh, the Dolphins. I mean, they got Tannehill. They're not going to do it. We know what they are. They're 7-8 wins. You got the Jets. They're also a wild card. You're going to be, that's going to be real interesting going against them. Who's New England bringing a quarterback? How good is New England with a different quarterback? How good are the Patriots with Joe Flacco? Or how good are the Patriots with Teddy Bridgewater? Or Tyrod Taylor? Or Ryan Tannehill? Any of these guys. Sam Bradford. I don't know. There would be tons of interesting things to talk about. And it would all relate to finishing first in the division. Which I've never talked about once. Never thought about once. Because the once I showed up as a football fan here, on this planet, being able to remember things, of course, because you know, when I'm one and two, it doesn't really count. There's Brady as the Patriots quarterback. And guess who's going to win the NFC, the AFC East that year? It's going to be the Patriots. And I shouldn't even spend as much time on it. The one time I remember talking about it was when he got hurt. The division was up in the air. Brady's injured. Here comes Matt Castle. He hasn't started a game since high school. This could go really well. I just want to get to that point. I don't even know if I care what it costs. If it costs New England winning a Super Bowl this year, I think I'd sign on the dotted line. Dotted, eh, excuse me. I'd sign on the dotted line right now. If you told me today, New England is different next year at quarterback if they win the Super Bowl. I'm signing up. <sighs> wish that would happen. I wish they would I wish they'd be gone. Realistically, though, he probably plays next year. So now i got to go back to point number one, or rooting interest number one, which is rooting against New England, wanting them to lose. And who gives them the best chance to lose? The AFC East is interesting right now. you got the Chiefs, who have shown a little bit of uh, a little chink in the armor lately. they got four losses now. They're not perfect. Their defense is still suspect. They're the number one seed. They might not end up being the number one seed. The, the Chargers can win that division, and then all of a sudden the Chiefs are the five seed and going on the road wild card weekend. That's a huge difference for those two teams. Between first round bye, that's incredible. Kansas City being the one seed versus the five seed. I mean, you're making any other team come to Arrowhead versus you don't play a game at Arrowhead. Huge difference. And that could be a big difference in whether New England uh, has a shot at coming out of the AFC. They're struggling. And to me, I would want them to have to go to Arrowhead. If I'm talking about now rooting against New England. Because going to the Chargers, I mean, it's a soccer stadium. And honestly, 30,000 people, it seems like every game, 20,000 of those people are the opposing team's fans. And New England... You know they'll like they'll have fans in that stadium. 
that's the that's one thing that's been annoying me by the way lately that broadcasters they'll be like oh this team's fans travels well oh cowboy fans travel well i hear that steeler fans travel well someone said in the nhl the other day my, uh toronto maple leaf fans travel well no no they don't no they don't they just have bandwagon fans all over the country I, that Patriots fans, I heard it from earlier in the season. Patriots fans travel well. They don't travel. That's They've got exactly bandwagon right. fans. <laughs> they don't travel. Um, but back to the point, I'd want them to have to go through Arrowhead. Perfect scenario to beat New England. If I went through this right now, I got the playoff machine open in front of me. So if the Chiefs get the number one seed. New England loses to the Jets. They're most likely going to be playing wild card weekend because then all it would take is a win by the Texans or or even I think the Texans could no the Texans couldn't lose. The Texans would have to win. Um, either it would either take a win by the Texans or it would take a win by the Ravens. And really, if they both win in New England lost, then New England's the four seed, and then you're playing a super talented Charger team. As the five. Really, maybe that's the perfect scenario. New England as the four seed. They play the Chargers. I, I guess there wouldn't be a huge difference to me. No, there would be. I, I would rather have them play the Chargers than the Colts. Um, I like the Colts. I've defended the Colts all year. And I've said how I think they're a dark horse. But I, I don't. they're not as good as the Chargers. So, I, New England. This isn't last year where they had to go Mariota, Bortles, Foles in their playoff run. Like... If they had to go Rivers, Watson, Mahomes, instant, oh, that's much tougher. And I'm not a big fan of Houston, but I think they're good, and I think they could potentially beat New England, um, especially if they're at home. Like, that would be the toughest route for me. And for that to happen, if you're thinking about what you want to root for here on, uh, on Week 17, you would want New England to lose to the Jets, so that's what I'll be rooting for. You would want the Jaguars to beat the Tex. Uh, you would want Texans game wouldn't matter too much at that point, but you want the Texans to beat the Jaguars, and you would want the Ravens to win the division. Because as far as I see, the Steelers cannot. Nope, they're eight six and one. So yeah, you would want the Ravens to win the division and win their game. That's their. That's where they stand. Patriots could play the Texans too. I guess there's a way that could happen. There's a lot of different scenarios. I found a scenario yesterday. If you didn't see it um, on Twitter, I found the perfect NFL Wild Card Weekend matchups, and it's zero point zero 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 one percent likely. Like it's just not going to happen, but it's possible. Just. First, let me read how unlikely all of these things are. This is what needs to happen for my perfect wildcard weekend. Raiders need to beat the te- the Chiefs. Okay. At the Chiefs. Not likely. The Texans have to beat the Jaguars. Now, that, that can happen. They're favored, too. The Jets need to beat New England and Foxborough. The Steelers need to beat the Bengals. All right. Still, we're still good here. Chargers have to beat the Broncos. The Ravens have to beat the Browns. And here's the tough part. The Colts and the Titans have to tie. Which is more realistic now than it used to be because the new overtime rules are stupid and ties are much more likely than they used to, but they're still super unlikely. If all of that happened, then your one seed would be the Chargers and your two seed would be the Texans. So those two teams would not play on wildcard weekend. 
your AFC wildcard matchups, if all of that happened, would be big rivalry with the Ravens hosting the Steelers, and then you would have New England hosting the Chiefs. In wildcard weekend. Now, like I said, that's you need a tie between the Colts and the Titans for that to happen. But that would be my dream... Uh, Dream uh, AFC uh, wildcard. The NFC wildcard is kind of set in stone. It's, Seattle, it seems like it's going to play Dallas. Um, and it would take a lot for the Bears to get into that, that buy over the Rams. So you're probably going to have the Bears playing the Eagles or the Vikings, and you're probably going to have the Seahawks playing the uh, playing the Cowboys. Which, it's not too bad. But it's not Chiefs-Patriots. Uh, so come on. Let's go Titans and Colts. Let's get some ties in there. All right. Let's uh, take a break here. A little early, and we'll play Kyle Williams back in full for you from uh, his visit with the guys on One Bills Live earlier today, Sunday being his last game of his NFL career, which he will play against the Miami Dolphins right here at home in Buffalo. Kyle Williams with John Murphy and Steve Tasker coming up next. The Nightcap, Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap, Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell. This play that just happened in the Syracuse game, unbelievable. Camping World Bowl, Syracuse leads West Virginia 34-18. to There is just under 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and the Orange just made a play that was unbelievable. Um, quarterback going across his body, getting hit, throws up a duck in the air, just as a prayer, and one of his guys comes under it, catches it like seven yards behind the line of scrimmage, makes like five guys miss, and takes it down to the two-yard line. It was an amazing play. Look it up on uh, on the old interwebs if you can find it. Let's now uh, little make a little change in plans. Um, we were going to play you back, uh, Kyle Williams, with uh, Murph and Tasker. It was a little long, and it was already on the station today. We, you have not heard yet was Kyle Williams' press conference uh, with the media, so we're going to bring that back to you here. So here's Kyle Williams meeting with the media uh, just after he decided to retire earlier today. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's surreal. I don't think any feelings have really hit bottom yet. Um, it was something that I would have uh, preferred to leave out the back door, much like I came in. You know, been very quiet and came in and out. But um, luckily, we've got some good people here that that. Um, convinced me that this needed to be out people needed to know so uh it'll be uh it'll be a fun experience uh i'm excited about it obviously you know i don't know that a place has ever meant more to anybody um so i'm excited for the weekend this is also about 13 years of pushing yourself as any player does through a whole experience it's not one it's not just a football season Well, honestly, um, a couple of things. I watched way too many T-ball and soccer games over FaceTime this spring, more so than, than ever. And I, I think at the end of the day, it came down to the things that I say are most important to me, are they really the most important things, or do I just say that because that's what everybody else says? 
Um, so told everybody that's asked me about it at this point, I don't know that there's ever a good time, whether it's now or whether it's two years from now. Um, it's going to hurt walking away. There's going to be a, you know, a void in my life um, because of how much this game, obviously this organization and what team has meant to me in general. So those are all things that I'm going to have to you know, process and work through. It's never easy. Other than playing a, a playoff game at the end of the year, how special is it that you get to play your last game at uh, that's a That was an important part of it. I, I, I love the fact that Sunday I'll know. You know what I mean? I'll know. I can go out there. I can enjoy it for what it is. An opportunity to go back out, play in front of um, what myself and a lot of other people regard as the best fans in the league. And an opportunity to compete and, and be with my team and, you know, hopefully go and go out and get a win. It's the mo most important things to me, so I'm excited about that. Kyle, you reflect back to 2006 you were the so-called too short, too small, you know, the arms were too short and whatever. When you reflect back and, and now to this point, what, what do you, what, what have you proven maybe to yourself or to the people that doubted you so long uh, you know, I think the hardest thing for me is going to be moving away from something that I love so much and walking away from something that they said that I couldn't do. You know what I mean? You know, something that's, uh, you know, like I said, it's got a, it's a big piece of me, you know, competition, this game. Um, as far as, you know, what it means, it's, you know, for me as a player, the only thing that I, that I ever wanted to accomplish was uh, I wanted an opportunity to compete and be the best that I could. And moving forward, the only thing that I hope is, whether it's present-day teams, past teams, or future teams, that our fans, our organization, our people would say that, you know who a good guy to hell on this team would be would be Kyle. That's really, if that's, if that's the case on any of those points, I can, uh, I can rest easy, you know. Kyle, we know you've told Sean on Monday, but can you take us to the timeline for, for you well, obviously, you, you, when it creeps into your mind and you think about it and you give way to those thoughts in your quiet times and, you're, and when you're by yourself, you know, it's a real thing. And for me, like I said, this spring when, you know, I'm up here, I'm in training camp and, you know, I'm watching uh, my kids play t-ball and all these activities. I'm doing it on FaceTime because I'm away. You know, I was telling somebody earlier that, you know, my daughter's moving into, you know, I have kids in middle school. My daughter's moving in to be 12 years old. And I've been in training camp for a year of her life. And that's just training camp, right? So I think this spring, it, it hit me really heavy. But at the same time, uh, I could totally committed myself to, to being the best teammate, the best player, to trying to make the Buffalo Bills the best team I could this year. And when I get back into it, I love it so much. I love, I love team. I love competing. And at the end of the day, it, it comes down to it, like I said earlier. You know, what are the most important things? What do you want to do? And, you know, I wish I could be 22 years old and uh, start all over again. But that's just, uh, it's just not how the cookie crumbles, so to speak. Kyle, so many head coaches, GMs, position coaches, even two owners, how have you been able to survive amidst all the change here over 13 years? Well, a, th a couple of things on that front. Obviously, that's... Uh, you know, we have, we've had limited, limited success, so uh, we had a lot of people in and out of here. The positive of that is I got to build so many great relationships with lots of people all across this country and all across the league. Um, as far as myself, um, I think 
the main thing was is I never cheated anybody a day. Whether it's our fans, our owners, my teammates, I literally gave all I had every day. Whether it's practice, games, no matter what, um, uh, I, I gave it literally all that I could. And like I said, I'll, I, I'm comfortable knowing that and, you know, moving, moving forward here. Oh, it was awesome. Those boys, they had a great time uh, to be able to play on the field with them and enjoy that moment with them in the locker room. I'm hopeful that they'll remember that. You know, they were pretty young. I hope they'll remember that forever because their dad won't forget. Um, so that was that was such a such an awesome moment. And I think it was just kind of meant to be. You don't go on the road to an away game and be allowed to take children or people out of the stands onto the field with you. But as luck would have it, a security guard allowed me to do it. So I think it was just something that was meant to be. And like I said, it's a, there's photos and video and lots of things that commit that to memory that my family you know, is going to hold tight to and near and dear for a long, long time. And would your career have been complete without that playoff? Uh, luckily, I don't have to think about that. <laughs> you know, uh, Obviously, that moment in that locker room, you, know, you talk to anybody that was there, we have guys that have been on great teams, on Super Bowl teams, on national championship teams, myself included. And this this spring we did a poll of what has been your favorite football mo moment. And to a man, anybody that was in that room, it was that moment. It was that few minutes there with that team. And uh, it was uh, it was a blessing to be there. It was a lot of, lot of fun. I only wish one of my daughters, my daughters could have been there because I catch all kinds of flack for that. You know, they got left out of the locker room. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, the opportunity to go represent the organization one more time, I'd definitely jump at that. Uh, what's, uh, what, obviously, I mean, being a defendant for a little while, but what's next as far as any goals you have, things you'd like to do, maybe even staying in football, any coaching, broadcasting, anything like that? Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities out there. A lot of things have been thrown at me um, really over the course of the last couple of years because of speculation of this day that was coming. Uh, so there's a lot of things out there, a lot of things to process, a lot of things that I, you know, in the short term want to accomplish. And, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see what the, what the future holds. Obviously, we've talked to Sean, we've talked to a lot of different people about some different things I may or may not be able to do, but that's all kind of on hold for the moment. Um, you know, we're going to go out and try to win on Sunday, and then we'll kind of work through that as we go forward. Kyle, any part of this decision challenging, admitting that you could still keep playing, Sean said you could still keep playing, and understanding the level you are currently so I think one of my biggest fears has always been if I came back just to come back and play a year and if I, were never, if I weren't able to hold up my end of the bargain. If, my, if I set a, I've set a standard for myself, the way that I want to compete, uh, how productive I want to be, and if I were out there dragging a leg around and not productive and obviously being an anchor to our team, I don't know that emotionally and in my mind I could handle that. Uh, obviously feeling, you know, feeling healthy, feeling good, uh, still able to play at a high level is maybe a you know a cherry on top, and with clarity and all those things going on, it's uh, it's a good feeling knowing that I didn't let myself slip or I didn't let my teammates down as I kind of walk away. What did your wife and kids say when you told them of your decision? 
Um, you know, there's been a lot of tears at my house um, over the last, you know, over the last few weeks between my wife and I. And then we told our kids on, on Christmas, and, you know, my boys are young. They, they love football. They love more than anything, they associate football with coming in this indoor and playing. You know, so they're a little bummed out about that. Uh, my oldest daughter's a little bit like me. She's going to kind of stuff the information, then eventually it's going to come out of her. And my second oldest daughter had a, had a screaming fit for two hours at my house on Christmas. So Sean jokes around that I ruined his Christmas Eve. I said, well, you should have been at our house Christmas Day. So uh, obviously we came here 22 years old, freshly married, no kids, and we walk away on the doorstep of 36 with five. So our family's grown up here. Our kids, this is all they know. And this is all we know. We both have never lived outside of Louisiana. So we've lived in Louisiana and in Buffalo. So that's something to be proud of. What made you want to stay in Buffalo all years, opportunities to leave or anything like that? So the city here, if you commit yourself to it, if you commit yourself to the community, there's such a different vibe. There's such a different feeling. We've had guys coming in and out of this organization, obviously tons for my years here, and guys that you would identify that have been in what you would call the best organizations in the NFL. These guys either didn't want to come here because of what they had heard or you know, maybe people make a funny face when you say see Buffalo. They didn't want to get drafted here. They didn't want to come in free agency. They had no other choice, whatever the things may be. But when it was time for leave, nobody wanted to leave. So there's something about it that gets inside of you and it takes hold if you commit yourself to it and if you let your, you know, if you let it in. So obviously our fans, the people, so many relationships, and you know, really the last couple of the years, um, Brandon Bean, our team, a lot of people around them, and uh, you know, more notably Sean McDermott. You're like uh, Mr. Miyagi to Harrison's Karate Kid. I didn't respond to your text this morning yet. I'm sorry. I will. It's all good. <laughs> Talk a little bit about his progression. Who? Harrison. I don't know him. <laughs> uh, the only thing I know for sure is Harry's not allowed to wear 95 next year. It's got to have at least a year, you know, a year off. And then, you know, I think I reserve the right to sell it to Harrison when the time is right. Uh, you know, during the season, it's so hard to properly, you know, kind of bring somebody along. You, you do your best. You know, you're trying to prepare. You're trying to do the right things. I'm excited for him. Um, I think he's going to be a great player because more than anything else, he cares. He wants to be good. He prepares because he wants to play well. And sadly enough, that's not, this, that's not always the case in this league. But guys that have grit and are tough and want to be good, those guys got a chance. And I can't, I can't wait to watch him play. I'm excited for him. Kyle, what can you tell fans about where you think this organization is headed in 2019 and beyond? So that's the hard thing for me, right, is you, you get Brandon – and you get Sean in here, and you've been through ups and downs, staffs, different people that have come in and out, and you get an opportunity to kind of pull the curtain back and sit with two guys that are transparent with you and share their vision with you. And I've never had a checklist of things that I wanted the coach or the GM to say to make me come back and continue to play. But when they share a vision, and it literally clicks with everything that you want the kind of teammates that you want, the kind of organization you want to be a part of, um, that is what makes it tough moving away because I feel like um, the direction we're moving, the young guys that we have, you, know, you mentioned Harrison earlier, you got Taryn and Robert and Tremaine. and I mean, there's so many great young players that we have and Josh. And 
you, you want to hold on. But like I said, it's never it's never going to be easy, whether it's this year or next year or the one after that. Just there's no that I'm always going to be a Buffalo Bill, and the and the the main thing for those guys is they've got all of my support. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, I want to thank you guys too. You guys have always treated me very fairly, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, I represented myself, this organization, uh, the Pagula family, and my family in the right way, and treated you guys with respect. So I appreciate what you do, and thank you. There is Kyle Williams, such a classy guy. It's everything, everything he does is classy. I just watched the Twitter video the Bills put out earlier today. Finally, got a chance to sit down while we were playing that back. I saw. The um the video of him telling his team mm-hmm. that was pretty powerful, pretty cool. I haven't seen that yet. I want to. I want to get to. You that. have to addressing the team in the meeting. Um, if you are looking for other sound of Kyle Williams, it is all over our on demand at wgr550.com and the radio.com app. He was on One Bills Live. He was there in the press conference. He was on with uh, Shop and Sale as well. So you can find all of that on demand at wgr550.com. Last call in the nightcap coming up next. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty is the phone number. I just want to talk. Uh, for a second about UFC and there's a big thing going on with them tomorrow and their fight got moved. The whole event got moved a week before it happened. So that was an interesting situation. Um, We'll wrap things up on our Sabres uh, conversation from earlier as well. Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell, it's the Nightcap on WGR. Whether it's now, whether it's next year, two years, it's going to hurt. There's going to be a void. There's going to be a football-sized shape missing from me. So I realized that long time ago. That was a realization I had long before today, that we all have to you know, kind of make our peace with it. Bill's defensive tackle, Kyle Williams, his final game of his NFL career Sunday against Miami. And it now becomes a big, intriguing game, I think. You want him to win. You want that moment at the end of the game for a Bills victory. Uh, Kyle Williams on the field with a standing ovation. You want W uh, to go along with that. That's on Sunday. I'll be on at 7 a.m. to kick off coverage. It's not going to be as much fantasy as we usually do, considering Week 17 is... like If you play fantasy football in Week 17, it's not a very... I'm guessing it's not a very intense uh, league. But we'll take fantasy questions if you want. UFC... 2.32 is tomorrow night. And if you don't follow it, and if even if you're like a casual observer or casual fan, uh, you probably know who John Jones is. Dana White keeps calling him the best uh, UFC fighter of all time. And he's been suspended like 100 times now because of drug violations. And essentially what happened with this big event, it's like one of the biggest that they've done all year, maybe past the... Conor McGregor last one against a uh, uh, Khabib. It gets moved from Vegas to LA. Not the Staples Center, the Forum. Much smaller venue. And they're going to lose a bunch of money on that and really this whole thing happens. A really interesting thing going on in sports right now is this whole debate on uh drug testing and microdosing and things like that. I was listening to uh, UFC, uh, what is he, Vice President of Athlete Health, uh, Jeff Nowitzki. He used to work for the uh, DEA, he used to be super involved in the MLB baseball steroid era, 
Um, he was part of the DEA when all the steroid stuff was going on with uh, with baseball, and he was involved in that. And now he like he was he was part of like the cases against Roger Clemens or something like that. Like Who a is while this? Back. This is Jeff Nowitzki. He's now uh, like the UFC VP of Health. Oh, he was probably involved in the Metro Report. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And now he's kind of in charge of putting together this whole drug program for UFC to test its fighters. And I was listening to him talk about this, and he was kind of he was mostly talking about baseball, NFL, and UFC. That the drug testing, and this could go for football too. The drug testing has gotten so insane. So. The fight was moved from Vegas to Los Angeles because Nevada would not allow the fight to happen, although they were going to hear it out before, but they would only hear it out like a day before the fight because John Jones tested positive for a banned substance that what he said is not performance enhancing, but it was a banned substance because it's illegal, and it was a... Like 80 picograms tested positive. He tested positive for a picogram. And for just for uh, for example here, the way it was described is one picogram. If you take a grain of salt and you split it into 20,000 pieces, one of those is a picogram. So we are talking unbelievably small. Like we, our brains can't even really fathom how small these samples are. And now, like, this guy doesn't deserve to be the, given the benefit of the doubt, John Jones here, but I'm kind of making an overall point here on sports in general, how far that this has gotten. Um, but when a guy can be suspended or a fight can be moved, um, when it's that small a thing, and they're talking about, like, how this could have been, this was probably in a system last year. Like, it's that small a thing. Um, the testing is better. They weren't even able to prove that he had re-ingested this same substance since the last time that he was suspended. You can't do double jeopardy, so California allowed it. And this made me think about a lot of stuff that's going on in football and baseball and, and skiing even. There was a, the, the story last year at the Olympics, or it was a couple years ago at the Olympics, where this skier got suspended because she had a banned substance that was considered a performance-enhancing drug, it was on her chapstick. It was part of the sunburn protection on her chapstick. And she had tested positive for such a measly amount of that that she got suspended. And that's, to me, where the drug testing and all of that has just gone maybe a little too far in sports. And this is coming from a person who does not know almost anything about this stuff, other than what I kind of just told you. But... I don't know. It, it sounds like we are getting so into you can't like the drug testing when really the overall goal, remember, was just to try to prevent people from cheating. And if you are talking about picograms, which my brain can't even wrap around how small that is, if we're talking about that amount of a substance, how much of an advantage are you really getting anyway? And how much money are we spending on figuring that stuff out? But like I said, in this particular case, John Jones in the UFC, um, if you don't know much about him, if you're not really a follower of that sport, he's a guy that just does not deserve the benefit of the doubt in this area, in the, in the individual uh, situation. All right, that's going to do it for me. 
And I'll be on the air, as I said, on Sunday morning to get you started for Bills and Dolphins coverage. So thanks, everybody, for listening. You can catch the whole show on demand at WGR550.com. Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell signing off here on WGR.